Who are the real people we consider our sages? Who were they in life? What is the legacy they left us? Join Rabbi Danny Saxton for the next hour as he explores the lives of our Torah giants, the spiritual geniuses who shaped the way we approach Judaism today. That's Focus on Our Sages right now on 101.9 High FM. Good afternoon and welcome to Soul to Soul. Always wonderful to be with you on a Wednesday afternoon. And this is a very special Wednesday afternoon because we are preparing for the beautiful Yom Tov of Pesach. Today is the 12th of the month of Nisan. And uh, on Friday is Erev Pesach, the 14th of Nisan. And Shabbos is Friday night and Shabbos day is the first day of Pesach. So this is a very important time, a very busy time, a very exciting time for the Jewish people. So let's discuss a little bit about the irrelevance, the importance, the significance of Pesach and uh, of what we should be thinking about and doing as we head into this beautiful Yom Tov. Let's start out with uh, Shabbos was called Shabbos Agadol. The reason for that was there was a great miracle that took place on the Shabbos before the Jewish people left Mitzrayim. The Jewish people left Mitzrayim in the year 2448 after creation. Um, which is 3,334 years ago. And um, when they left Mitzrayim, so they were commanded on the 10th of Nisan. Um, they left on a Thursday night. So the commandment on the 10th of Nisan actually turned out to be on the Shabbos. They were commanded by Hashem through Moshe that they should all take a sheep, sheep or a lamb, and that sheep or lamb should then be tied to the bedposts, and that sheep or lamb will be shechted, will be slaughtered um, at the commandment of God. Now, the sheep was a uh, deity, was an object of worship in Mitzrayim. It symbolized many different things. And therefore, that act of taking the sheep and separating it to be slaughtered was very offensive to the Egyptians, was something that the Egyptians felt felt to be uh, uh, something that uh, was um, an attack on them, attack on their worldview, attack on their philosophy, and it offended them greatly that these peasants, these slaves, these Jews, were now taking the symbol of their worship, their deity, and were um, going to be slaughtering it. It was a, a real attack on Egyptian culture and Egyptian philosophy and Egyptian um, lifestyle. And the Jews, although oppressed and broken people, were very frightened that the Egyptians would retaliate. They were very frightened. The Egyptians had all the power. The Egyptians had all the, they were the super, superpower of the day. They had any means at their disposal to attack the Jews, to carry out pogroms against the Jews, as they had done many, many times over the decades. And yet, nothing happened. The Egyptians felt powerless felt that they couldn't do anything to the Jews, which was as a result of Hashem protecting the Jews, that he placed that mindset into the Egyptians, which was a miracle, a great miracle. And the Jews were absolutely astounded and so grateful to Hashem and so relieved that they weren't attacked and uh, killed by the Egyptian mobs. So that was the miracle that took place on the 10th of Nisan. And that's why there was a Shabbos, and that's why every Shabbos before Pesach 
We call it Shabbos Hagadol, the Shabbos of the Great Miracle. I heard a beautiful idea, I saw a beautiful idea um, with regards to Shabbos Hagadol, which I think is very relevant to all of us and applies to our lives as Jews. And that is that Hashem told Abraham um, many years before that Ger Yezarecha, that your offspring are going to be strangers, but but Aretz Lolahem in a land that's not not theirs. Ve'ino Yisam, and they're going to um, experience suffering and hardship and oppression in that place. And uh, many of the commentators say that that original discussion with Abraham and Hashem was that the Jews would suffer for 430 years. How long were we in Mitzrayim? We were in Mitzrayim for 210 years. That was the amount of time that the Jewish people went in in Egypt. And the back-breaking labor, the very harsh oppression and slavery of the Jewish people was for 86 years from the birth of Miriam, according to our holy tradition. So originally it was supposed to be 430 years, but it was then um, reduced down to 86 years. So what about the other 344 years that the Jews were not subject to the harsh oppression as Hashem told Abraham that they would be? What happened to those years? So if the Jews were suffered, uh, were oppressed severely and enslaved for 86 years, so 86 out of 430 is one-fifth. One-fifth is 86. So what happened to the other four-fifths that, um, so 86, you know, one-fifth was fulfilled, but the four-fifths weren't. They, they, the Jews were spared those other 344 years. So the explanation I read from Rabbi Eddie Monsor, who's a rabbi in America, in New York. So he said the following, he said a beautiful explanation. He said that the Jewish people, when they took this lamb or the sheep, it was at great danger and showed a tremendous amount of faith in God, tremendous amount of what we call mysterious nefesh, self-sacrifice. They put aside their concerns, they put aside their comfort, they put aside their desires, and they did what Hashem told them to do. At great danger, took a tremendous amount of commitment to God, of emuna, of, of belief in God, of bitachon, of trust in God, and that was indicative of this action of taking these sheep. And Hashem didn't say take them and slaughter them today until like, they would go through one day of, of fear and of hell, and of danger, and of being vulnerable, but it was actually only four days later, on the 14th of Nisan, we know we bring the Korban Pesach on Erev Pesach, from midday Erev Pesach, which is the 14th of Nisan. Um, so for those four days, they lived in absolute terror, and fear that the Egyptians would carry out pogroms, and murder them, and their children, um, but they did so because Hashem commanded them to do so. They showed unbelievable Messias Nefesh. So those four days, um, each day, was worth 86 years of back-breaking back labor and suffering of the Jewish people. When a Jew shows Messias Nefesh, self-sacrifice, to do the will of Hashem, so that has a tremendous spiritual power. And that fulfilled the requirement of Abraham, that Hashem said to Abraham that they will be, for whatever reason, they would have to suffer for 430 years. That was fulfilled by the self-sacrifice of Klai Yisrael, the Messias Nefesh, in the service of Hashem, which is really an unbelievable thing, an unbelievable idea, because we see from here that our goal, our mission as Jews in this world 
is to live with a sense of Messias Nefesh, a sense of self-sacrifice, an ability to say no to ourselves and yes to Hashem, an ability to fulfill Hashem's commandments in a world where those behaviors, those practices are very strange and very foreign. We live in a world where there's a very powerful flood of materialism, of secularism, and that surrounds us. We can't escape that. We are completely exposed to and subject to that flood that unless we proactively make an effort to swim against the tide, we'll be washed away. But when we do swim against the tide, when we do hold on to Hashem's commandments, when we do live with mysterious nefesh, so that shows a tremendous trust in Hashem. That shows a, a great strength, and that has a tremendous spiritual energy that in our favor and the favor of Klai Yisrael. So that is a, a powerful message that we learn from Shabbos HaGadol. Please stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Saxton on 101.9 High FM. So we're talking about this great power of mysterious nefesh, of self-sacrifice, of serving Hashem, of overcoming obstacles, of saying no to our lower self, of going against the trends and the tides of the time, and fulfilling the will of God, of Hashem. And that's a great opportunity, and that's the reason for which we, we, we were created as Jews. And that's why God gave us so many mitzvahs and so many opportunities to do that. And so when a Jew has the strength to live according to the Torah and fulfill the commandments of the Torah with mysterious nefesh, with self-sacrifice, that does a tremendous amount for that individual, the individual soul, and for the entire world, for the spiritual level and the spiritual light and God's presence in the world that we live in. And if there was ever a time to uh, need God's presence in the world, so certainly it is now. Um, and it's something that we all could play our part in to bring the light of God, the Shekhinah, into our world. And so when a Jew keeps kashrus and keeps the laws of kosher and only carefully eats that which the Torah permits him or her to eat, so that is listening to the word of God with self-sacrifice. When a Jew keeps Shabbos and for 25 hours the phone goes off, the computer goes off, there's no driving, there's no lights, uh, switching on and off, and a Jew enters into this island of time in which God is king. A Jew enters into God's world of light and of beauty and of tranquility. And uh, in order to do so, that, that it seems like from the outside, well, you know, that's so restricting and so restraining. But when one does it, one sees that it is just the greatest gift. It just adds such quality, such richness, such beauty to one's life and to one's family life. Um, when a Jew keeps Pesach properly and carefully does what they need to do in order to make sure that they keep the laws of Pesach. So that requires hard work. It requires serious nefesh. It requires um, a lot of effort. But that is a tremendous act that brings Hashem's light into the world. And so this week when we are getting our houses ready for Pesach and we are kashering our kitchens, because through, for the whole year, we have chomets in the kitchens. We have chomets products. 
we cooked with Chomotzchok products, and therefore we need to kasher our kitchens, uh, clean out our fridges, clean out our freezers, make sure that there's no residue of Chomotz anywhere, um, clean the counters and either cover the counters or kasher the counters with boiling water, um, kasher the sinks or cover the sinks. Uh, we should also try and have a Pesach oven because it's very different, difficult to kasher an oven. When we do all of these things, and it takes a lot of work and a lot of effort, and you know, we see often um, uh, the mothers that run a home, which is the, the greatest career in the world, is to run a Jewish home and have Jewish children. Um, so it's a lot of hard work now. They're under a lot of pressure and a lot of strain, and it's not easy, and, and we should all help our wives do as much as we can to lift that burden. Um, but it's such a wonderful mitzvah, such a beautiful thing that we listen to the commandments of the Torah and for eight days there's no chomets and we get rid of all the chomets and there's many different reasons and explanations and illusions. But to do the mitzvah is a beautiful, powerful thing that brings God light into our, God's light into our homes and God's light into the world. And then to make sure that we only buy products that are kasher Pesach, we're very careful to ensure that everything that we consume during Pesach either is on the green list of the base din or has a, a base din heksha um, or reliable heksha if it, if it is imported from overseas. Um, so it's very important that we um, very uh, are scrupulous in our observance of the laws of Pesach and make sure that we it's not just simply not eating bread and having matzah, but everything that we eat needs to be kashula Pesach is to make sure that there's no chomets ingredients in what we eat and that it is actually certified kosher for Pesach. And again, it takes mysterious nefesh, it takes effort, it takes hard work, but it is a tremendous opportunity to serve Hashem and to live the way Jews supposed to live. To we, we, The Klai Yisrael have a different mission to the nations of the world, and by fulfilling the mitzvahs, we, we are um, living up to that high standard that Hashem has set for us and fulfilling our mission in this world. And the same goes for when a Jew um, makes effort to daven in a minion, which, is, which takes effort. Um, every day we daven shachris min chamarev, one should do so in a minion. And when one davens in a minion, it's just a different world to davening on one's own. It makes such a huge difference. Um, likewise, when one sets a time, time for learning Torah. Um, the kover eating the Torah, time for Torah study, is critical, is vital, is essential in the spiritual life of a Jew. When we are learning, so we are connected, and we are growing, and we're working on our midas, on our character, and we have a very strong connection to our Shem and the Torah. And when we're not learning, so that's when it becomes a little bit jaded and burdensome and heavy and we lose that light and that spark and that edge so we need to make sure that we're all learning torah men and women and children and uh and we should be moist and nefesh we should have self-sacrifice to ensure that we have times of learning torah in our day um that are consistent so that is the life of a jew and that's the power of a jew to live with messiah's nefesh to do the messages as we commanded to do and uh to go through these beautiful Yomim Tovim. Each Yom Tov has a great power to lift us, has a great power. Each Yom Tov is an essential ingredient for the spiritual diet of a Jew. 
And I started, oh gosh, yes, Pesach, no, you know, no bread, uh, how are we going to survive, no pizza for a week. Um, if, if that's our view of the Yom Tovim, we're missing the whole point. We are, are missing the depth and the beauty and the spiritual power that lies with every Yom Tov. The Ramchal explains that each Yom Tov, it's like a spiral. The Jewish year is a, is a cycle, but it's not a two-dimensional circle. It's a, it's a three-dimensional spiral. And as you go around th that circle, you go higher and higher each year. And each Yom Tov has the capacity to raise us. And each Yontav has a unique spiritual ingredient that is essential for our spiritual diet, for the diet of our soul. And certainly Pesach is yeah, is is that case. So um, maybe let me tell you a bit of a story and then we can discuss what really is the essence of Pesach. Um, so there's a famous story about the, the Alter Rebbe, Roshner Zalman, that he was arrested by the Tsar's soldiers. He was a great Jewish leader, and the Tsar was very threatened and saw anybody who had a following as subversive and as uh, a threat to the state. And so the Roshner Zalman was, was arrested, and he was um, sent to jail. And the jailer that was um, overseeing him was a Jew. And this jailer asked him a question. He said to him, he said, why is it in Bereshis, in the creation of the world, that Hashem, after Adam sinned, Hashem says to Adam, Ayeka, where are you? Surely Hashem knew where Adam was. And the Alter Rebbe answered so brilliantly. And he said to him, he said, Hashem's question to Adam wasn't where are you physically, geographically. Hashem's question to Adam was, where are you emotionally? Where are you spiritually? Now that you've sinned, where are you holding? What's going on in your head? How are you thinking? And how are you rationalizing your, your life? And that's a very powerful question that we all need to ask ourselves. Ayeka, where are you? And especially now that the Pesach Seder is coming and we are going to be um, having this opportunity of going through the Haggadah with our families, which is so beautiful and so powerful and has the capacity to really frame what it means to be a Jew, the beginnings, the birth of the Jewish people. And it's our role and responsibility to relive that ourselves at the Seder and to communicate that to our children, to pass over that message of what it means to be a Jew, of where the beginnings of the Jewish people are, of, of the um, foundation of the Jewish people. It's our responsibility to pass that over to. So when we say, I heard this from Rabbi Kron, a beautiful idea. When we say um, at the end of the Seder, we some have a custom to sing some songs. We sing Echad Miyodea, um, Shnai Miyodea. So that is a really an ayeka of the Alter Rebbe. That is asking, where are you? Now that you've relived the foundation of the Jewish people, the creation of the Jewish people, um, when you hear one, what's one? What does one mean to you? Is one going to associate with the source of all life, with the creator of the universe, with the Melech Malchayam Lachim HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Is that what one means for you? Have you reprioritized in your life? Have you shifted into a new mindset and now have the right values and outlook. That's after having gone through Pesach that needs to be 
our Ayeka, where are you? Hashem asks us, where are you? And that's what the Miyodea, uh, um, the Echad Miyodea, Shna Miyodea, um, etc., is, is telling us. So it's a very powerful idea, very powerful message. So what is it? Ayeka, when we ask ourselves, Echad Miyodea, Shna Miyodea, Shna Luchos Abris, etc. So what should we be thinking about? What should we be heading for? What's our goal? And the goal, the basic underlying um, message of Pesach, the real common denominator and goal of Pesach, which is brought down by the great Rishonim, many of the great Rishonim, and that is, and it's consistent, really based on the Ramban in Parshas Bo, is Emunah. Pesach is building our Emunah. The Kabbalists say that the mitzvah of matzah that we fulfill on both nights of, of Pesach, uh, matzah is called in the Kabbalistic Sforim, in the holy writings of the mystics, matzah is called nama demehem nusa. It's called the bread of faith. When we eat that matzah, it builds our emunah, builds our faith. Um, you know, it's like a pill. You take a pill that you has been prescribed by the doctor. You don't know what it's doing. An antibiotic, it's attacking the infection in your body. A painkiller, it's, it's helping to deal with the pain. We don't really know what's in that pool. We take the pool and it does its thing. So the, eating the matzah, it builds our emunah for the year. You've got to be open to it. You've got to be, understand that. You've got to be willing to and understand what, what it means and what it's doing. And it needs to be kosher matzah, of course. Matzah that's uh, preferably shmura matzah at the seders. And uh, there's a minute to have handmade shmura matzah at the seders. Um, and how much matzah do we have to have? So we should be having um, for our our matzah, we have um, 28, 25 grams of matzah we should be having in the mitzvah of moitzi matzah. It's 25 grams. When we have matzah with the korech, with the sandwich, we then have 15 grams. And we have matzah with the afikom, we have 30 grams. So we have a total of 70 grams of matzah. Um, so remember that, 25 grams. Measure your matzahs before, see how big they are. Usually, um, it's, a, it's a three quarters of a piece of machine matzah. is 25 grams. Um, and uh, it's half of that for the korech, and then um, again three quarters for the afikoma. So, and we have in mind, remember, we recline, and we have in mind that this is building our emuna. That's what Pesach is. Pesach is building the emuna of a yid. And the Ramban says that that we realize with Yitzhak Mitzrayim, the coming out of Egypt, the miracles that took place that resulted in the Jewish people coming out of Egypt. So those miracles taught us that everything is mina shemayim, that there's no accident, there's no coincidence, this world is not by chance. Don't listen to the non-believers out there. There's a God. God created the world. And every single moment of life is a gift from God, is a test from God. There's no free lunches. And when we leave this world, and all of us are going to be leaving this world, so we're going to have to give din v'cheshbon, we have to give an accounting for our lives for what we did, for the choices we made, for how we lived our lives. And God sends us the opportunities and sends us the experiences and sends us the ordeals that give us the ability to develop and grow. And that's the purpose of life. It's not random. It's not accidental. It's not by chance. How can this magnificent, exquisite, perfect world be an accident by chance? Um, last week, I wasn't with you last Wednesday. I was in the bush, and you go into the African bush, and you just see the perfection of creation, of how vast and how perfect 
and how magnificent every aspect of creation is, whether it's the vegetation and the way things grow, whether it's the birds and the different bird species, whether it's the animals and the reproduction of the animals, whether it's the predators and the food chain. It's just all completely overwhelming and breathtaking. And is that a, can that be an accident? Is that just random and by chance? That's completely ridiculous to such a thing. It's, it's, it's bordering on insanity to say that that's accidental. Um, right now I'm holding a pen. So if you tell me that this pen was just an accident, it's just random, it's just by chance, there's absolutely no way that can be. This pen, the fact that I'm holding the pen means that there was a designer of, a pen, of the pen and there was a manufacturer of the pen and it has a purpose to write. So that's the, our, our world is so much more sophisticated than a pen. There must be a designer. It doesn't make sense any other way. It's basic, clear thinking and logic. And so that's what Yitzhak Mitzrayim comes to tell us. And that's why Pesach is so important because we relive those events through the Haggadah of coming out of Egypt. And that sends us a powerful message for our lives that nothing is random, that nothing is accidental, that there's a God. As the Rosh says, the Rosh says in, in Orchus Chaim that Yitzhak Mitzrayim tells us about Hashkacha Pratis, that there's a God who cares about our lives, who is overseeing and supervising the world in general and our individual lives. He cares about me, little me, who uh, Danny Saxton, who lives in Glen Hazel, the creator of the universe, cares about me and the choices I make and the life I live and the, and the way I behave. Isn't that unbelievable? It's a very liberating thought and it's very powerful. And that is the message of Mitzvah Israel. There's a creator. That creator cares about the Jewish people and cares about every single individual Jewish neshama. Hashem cares greatly about us and is watching us all very closely and is intimately involved in our lives. Please stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Saxton on 101.9 High FM. So we're talking about the great opportunity of Pesach, and in particular, the highlight, one of the highlights of the year, which is Seder night. And in Chusla Aretz, here in, in the diaspora, so we have the opportunity to do that two nights, which is really great. Although, you know, people say, oh gosh, two Sidorim, but it really is great to have two goes, two opportunities, two shots at, at two bites at the apple. So remember, when we at the Seder, there are a number of mitzvahs we're fulfilling. There are two mitzvahs do'araisa. There are two Torah mitzvahs. And I want to read to you what the Rambam says. The great and holy Rambam, he wrote his classic magnus opus, the Mishnah Torah. So he writes in Hilchas Chumutz Matzah, Perek Zayin, says the Rambam, Mitzvahs ase shil Torah, the sape benisim veniflaos she'asolav v'seinu b'mitzrayim. It's a positive commandment from the Torah to speak about the miracles that Hashem did to our ancestors in Egypt, on the night of the 15th of Nisan, as it says, Remember this day that you came out of Egypt. As it says, So the Rambam says an amazing thing. He says that we, we commanded on the 15th of Nisan, which is on Friday night, 
to remember that the Jews, to relate the story of the exodus of the Jews from Egypt. And as it says, remember this day that you came out of Egypt. Um, and what does it mean? Zachar is Yom Asher Yatsasem Mitzrayim. The Rambam says, as it says, the Torah also says, Zachar is Yom HaShabbos. To remember the day of Shabbos. What does it say? Zachar is Yom HaShabbos, the Kadashoi, to sanctify. Amazing thing. So um, the, the principle in the Torah is Zecher, Zechira, is not simply just remembering. Remembering is not a, a, a something that is tangible. Just remembering is a very difficult thing to pass over from generation to generation. We have a, a big issue today of how do we remember the Holocaust? Um, we now live in a time when most of the Holocaust survivors are passing on, are not with us anymore. So how do we ensure that the next generations know about the Holocaust? So building museums ain't going to do the job. Um, no matter how many museums you build, you never will be able to effectively communicate and and um, and enable the next generation to understand what 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 really happened. The the one of the great secrets of Judaism is that we observe a framework of behavior, of action, of ritual. And within that framework, that is where the, that's what's communicated. And that's an action. So Judaism is a religion about actions. It's not a religion about philosophizing and theorizing and transcendental meditation where it's all up in the air. It's all, you know, beautiful ideas. Judaism is very real and practical. And this Zachar is Yom HaShabbat How do we sanctify the day of Shabbos? So we we have to. Part of sanctifying Shabbos is we say Kiddush before we eat our meals, both Friday night and in the day. We wear our special Shabbos clothing. We have special Shabbos meals. That's remembering. The remembrance comes through the action. And likewise on Pesach, the remembrance of what happened comes through the action. So a, 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 a son is not able to get into the mind of his father and to understand what his father's thinking and how is that transferred. But the son remembers what the father did. He remembers that he sat at that Pesach Seder with his father and with his grandfather and they said the Haggadah and they ate the matzah and they drank the wine and they ate the maror and they told the story around these actions. So that's what the Rambam's telling us the zachor, the remembering we came out of Mitzrayim on this night, is done through the actions and through the framework of ritual. That's the genius of Judaism, is through the, the framework of the rituals and the actions, we're able to communicate very powerful, deep ideas and memories. And that is um, pretty much what we're doing on Pesach. So that's the, the first pasuk that the Rambam um, tells us. Uminayin shebelel chamisha asar. How do you know? So, so the Torah says, remember the night that you came out of Egypt. But who, who says you should do it on the 15th of Nisan? You can remember it at any time. Whenever you want, you could remember that. Um, so the Rambam says, how do we know it has to be on the 15th of Nisan? So he says, the Torah tells us, So, so that's what the Pasuk says, that you should tell your child on this day, saying, because of this, What's this? At the time when you have matzah maror 
in front of you. So that's when you need to te teach your child. When do we have matzah maro? So we have a mitzvah to eat the matzah and to eat the maro on this night the 15th. So that's when we have to tell our child. That's when the Higaret Lebincha applies, is when you have the matzah maro in front of you. So these are two Torah commands. We, the two Torah commands we're fulfilling. Um, the one is telling our children the story of coming out of Egypt, and the other one is eating matzah on the night of Pesach. So we should all have in mind that when we're doing that, we're fulfilling two commandments of Hashem um, by eating the matzah and by telling the story of the Jews coming out of Mitzrayim on Friday night um, and on Saturday night, that we Friday night we're fulfilling the the Torah commandment as Hashem commanded. By the way, there are also four rabbinic commandments that we fulfill by going through the Seder. Um, one of them is the Arba Kosas, the four cup, cups, and we should have a minimum of 86 milliliters. Preferably, there should be a taste of alcohol. You know, if you struggle with the alcohol for whatever reason, maybe you've got an allergy. So you can have, you know, you can mix the grape juice and wine. Rav Moshe Feinstein says, as long as you have a taste of alcohol, that's fine. Um, so it should be a minimum of 86 milliliters, which is not a lot of uh, amount. It's better to have smaller cups. We have to fill our cups. So the smaller the cup, the better, as long as the cup's 86 milliliters. And remember, we recline also when we drink the rum. We should have the whole cup, but at least the majority of the cup. Um, so that's the second mitzvah. The, the, one mitzvah is the four cups. The another mitzvah, the rabbonin, is the maror, is the bitter herbs that we eat. Um, a third mitzvah, uh, the rabbonin. So usually, you know, most people have the romaine lettuce, which is bitter. And the Gemara actually says that's the best thing to have is the romaine lettuce because it starts out sweet. And the longer it stays in the ground, it gets more bitter. And that's how it was for the Jews in Mitzrayim. At first it was sweet. It went well. And the longer they were there, the more bitter it got. And that seems to be the prototype of my Se'avu Simulabanim, of the Galus of the exile, that very often the pattern has been, like in Mitzrayim, or in fact, almost always. I think there, there are very few exceptions. Um, South Africa is one, Bliya and Horal, it's long sh it should remain, that it starts out okay for the Jews, but as time goes on, it gets worse and worse, it gets more and more bitter. So we have the Romain letters, that's Mitzvah Darabona number two. Mitzvah Darabona number th uh, three is we recline. When we have these things, Mitzvah Darabona number four is we say Halal, which is a great climax, which is a, we should do so with enthusiasm and with joy and with appreciation to Hashem that He took us out of Mitzrayim. Please stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Saxton on 101.9 High FM. So we're going to conclude just with the final words of the Rambam Melacha Alaf of Yav Perik Shvi of Hilchos Chomutzamatzah. The Rambam says, "Bafal Pisha Lo Ben." Even if a person doesn't have any family, so the focus of the Seder is to communicate this message to one's family. But even if one doesn't have family, and even if people are very wise, wise sages, Ayavim L'Sapper B'Yisias Mitzrayim V'Chol Hamarich B'Davarim She'Ira. So even if a person doesn't have family around, even if they're completely alone, they still have to speak out the Seder. And the more that we do that, the more praiseworthy it is. So our job, it's, a, it's an interesting thing, that on um, there's actually a mitzvah every single day to remember that we came out of Egypt. We, we say so in the Shema. We say the three paragraphs of the Shema morning and night. 
And the third paragraph of the Shema, the reason why we actually say it, the Gemara says, is that so we remember uh, um, that uh, we constantly remember that Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim. Hashem would say, Laman Yedu, in order that you remember that Hashem took you out of Mitzrayim. That's why we say it every day. So what's the difference between every day when we remember Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim and Pesach? Pesach, we're also doing that. So the answer is, as the Rambam is explained to us over here, is that there's a mitzvah on Pesach to elaborate. Every day just to remember Lamantiskuru, uh, in order that you remember that Hashem took you out of Mitzrayim. Every day we're supposed to, both day and night, we're supposed to remember that. On Pesach there's a mitzvah to elaborate on it. Not only to remember it, for, for a moment, for a second, but actually to elaborate on it. And the more we elaborate, the more praiseworthy it is. And the way we elaborate in Klai Yisrael is through asking questions. It's very important that our ethos as a people is questions. And we encourage questions. The more questions, the better. The more questions, the more. And that's really the style of the Torah Shabbat Peh, of the oral tradition. The Gemara is written in a way where there's a question after question. We unravel the layers. And if the questions of the Gemara are not enough, so then you've got Toysfus that are small questions. If Toysfus is not enough, so then you have the Rishonim and the Achronim. The way to get to the depth and the truth of life is through questions. And that's how the Haggadah is designed. Haggadah is a, a framework within which to ask the questions. And that's the, the, the four sons are asking the four questions. The whole Haggadah is full of contradictions in order to ask questions, in order to spark the interest of the children, of the participants. And the the message is that we want to get to the truth. And we want to think and, and analyze and uh, pull back the layers as much as we possibly can in order to get to the truth, in order to understand what happened, in order to understand what life's about, in order to understand the truth of Hashem in this world. So that's a wonderful opportunity on Pesach and something that we should all do is ask questions, answer questions. The more questions, the better. Incentive to keep everybody up and ask the questions. Uh, we get Pesach sweets and all sorts of treats in order to do that. Um, but that is certainly the, the goal of, of having a Seder that is alive and is rich and is filled with the, the depth and the beauty. And we don't. the truth is we just have to follow the Haggadah. The Haggadah does the work for us. The Haggadah, Seder means order. The Haggadah gives us the order to follow in order to bring out the messages we're supposed to. If we don't understand the Hebrew, so then do it in English and make sure that it's a meaningful experience where we are relating the beginnings, the birth of the Jewish people, the miracles that took place with the birth of the Jewish people and reminding ourselves that God runs the world and God cares about each and every one of us. Thank you so much for listening. Wishing all of our listeners a chag kasha and have a wonderful day.